0: Anybody have anything special they'd like to discuss?
1: Uh, Any questions?
0: Any general, personal questions? It's, It's free. There's no charge. Anything about spiritual life? Spirituality? If you don't start talking, I'm going to start talking. Here's your chance.
1: I have a question.
0: Yeah, you uh, to, That time's up. <laughs> you right. had plenty of time. No, go ahead. Uh, <laughs>
1: last time I was talking to you, you
2: know, I was saying something about Krishna and and I used the word God. And then you told me uh, Krishna does not like to be thought of as, as God. You know? and, and I think from what
1: I got from you, it was more
0: personality.
1: So. Um, I'd like for you to talk a little bit more about, about that, and also uh, the other question I had
2: is, is: Did did he ever get old? I mean, all the pictures I see of Krishna are a pretty suffering person.
0: Yeah. Uh, first of all, no, he never got old. He doesn't old. He doesn't age. You know, Krishna never appeared to be uh, any older than a teenager, even though he was on this planet for 125 years. He didn't. You know. Oh. And as far as Him, in the personality of Krishna, God has many unlimited, unlimited personalities. In that personality of Krishna, to have that proper relationship with Him of love, true love, very close, loving, uh, we have to give up the concept of Him being God. You see? To get that close see uh, if you know if that if, if it's just like if you think about it if, if you're in the presence of the supreme God the creator the controller of everything you see well that's kind of awe-inspiring and but as you get to know and you get to be more and more comfortable you know it's just like if uh, if you thought of your wife as a as a great authority you know, like if she were God, you couldn't have the same relationship with her, which means you can't be as close. You see, so in other, in different uh, personalities of God, different, you can have awe and reverence if that's what you like. You see, but to get as close as we get with Krishna, then we don't think of him as God. Now we do, but I mean, until we get to that perfectional stage. When we get to the perfectional stage and we're liberated and associated with Him, we will not think of Him as God. Have there been other individuals that have lived 125 years and never gotten past looking like a teenager? I think it's possible. Yeah, there are many yogis who can do many, many things. Maybe not so much now in this, but in the past. In the past, there have been yogis that have been able to do uh, great things. Mystic, you know, people that pursue mystic yogic potency and get some of it and start to misuse it. There was uh, in the back in the early 1900s around 1925 there was this uh, uh, yogi in uh, Bengal and there was a very great devotee uh, there who was also in the government there his name was Bhaktivinoda Thakur Bhaktivinoda Thakur was a pure devotee of the Lord he was a pure devotee and anyway this yogi was doing all kinds of nonsense. He was very strong, he had great powers. And uh, so they uh, they went to Bhakti Vinod Thakur uh, and said, what should we do? And he said, well, you should arrest him and I'll come and talk with him. So they did, they arrested him and they got him. It was very difficult, but they got him in the jail. And Bhakti Vinod Thakur went to talk with him and uh, he was claiming that he was so great and whatever. Bhaktivinoda was a, being a pure devotee, he had taken shelter of Krishna, so he had no fear. So this yogi said, I put a curse on your house that everyone will die. And sure enough, in the middle of the night, his whole family, including himself, woke up very sick, very, very sick. And so he sent one of his servants to the jail and told him, cut his hair. He had a big afro. A lot of times you see these bogey yogis, they have a big fuzzy head, Ephraim. And he said, shave his head. His potency is in his hair. So they did. And uh, he had no, no potency. But he was, he was very mischievous. I can't remember any details of the things that he was doing. But he was causing a lot of problems. He was misusing some potency. Uh, people that pursue mystic yoga... Uh, and it's there, it can be had. It's extremely difficult in this age. You know, we need to be born into a family that can train us very early and, and have so many other things to be able to do this. But when you think about why would someone pursue that, it's probably not for anything really good. You know? It's all for me, it's all self-motivated, self-ego. So yeah, there are people who can appear to be very young, For a long time, and do all kinds of interesting things.
2: And in the writings, they they use the word word, uh, "words Godhead." Yeah, can you tell me about that?
0: Godhead is an old English, proper English way of saying the supreme God, the supreme Lord. You know, Um, it's old English. It's not. Not so common. Uh, Shula Prabhupada brought that to America and uh, he had learned it in India from learning to speak English from the British. So, that you know, Godhead, you know, the supreme Godhead, you see. So, uh, does that answer your question? Thank you. There are many people who can do uh, different things, they have some mystic potency. A godbrother of mine was traveling in India about 20 years ago, and he was waiting for a bus. and He sat down beside this old shadu, you know, an old uh, holy man, or someone posing as a holy man. You know, and uh, the old man asked him. He said, uh, uh, he told him that he had great mystic powers, and uh, he said, you should offer me some. Uh, some donation, and the a friend of mine was thinking, but I give all my money to Krishna. I give it to people that aren't bogus. I don't know if you're bogus or not. I don't know what you'll do with money if I give it to you. If I give you money and you involve yourself in some intoxication or something, then I have to suffer some of the karma for it, you know? So he's hesitating. And the man said, he he looked down, and he said, see that pebble down there? There was a little pebble about that big he said hand me that he said place it in my right hand so the devotee placed it in his hand and he closed his hand and he opened his hand back up and there was a little rosebud a little tiny rosebud and he said see so you should give me 10 rupees and uh, my friend my devotee friend who's very wise said if you really have so much potency Why didn't you change the pebble into a ten-rupee note? So thank you for the show, but gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) And if you go to the Kumbh Mela, Kumbh Mela is a place where the Jamuna and the Ganges River meet. Uh, And you see all kinds of uh, mystics that come there. Some of the yogis, Come down out of the mountains, they live in caves. And you can see them coming up out of the Ganges River. They, they, come, they come down the the easiest and quickest way down the mountains is to walk down the, the river, which is as deep as this room. So they can control their life airs and walk up along the bottom of the river. And you see them coming up out of the river. You know. Rivers like Half a mile wide. There's no way that they could trick and do that. They just they can do that. You know, they can do it. You know, so what? Some of them uh, are able, or may, I don't know if there are any left. There, surely there are some one or two left that can go through a brick wall. You know, they can dematerialize and go through it and rematerialize on the other side. And so. Uh, some of them will bury themselves in holes and stay there for a long time my guru was at uh in 1970 i believe he went to kumbh mela and uh there was this you see all kinds of sideshows, you know freak shows you call it and so there was this one guy that was in this he had dug this hole it was a pit this deep if he was standing up and he filled it full of mud not not water not dirt mud and he's got his arm sticking out like that. That much of his arm. The rest of him here down is under mud. And he stayed there for a long, long, long time. Days. And uh, I don't know if he cheated and came out at night and everything. But he was there for you know, all day anyway. And he had this little pot and a little sign I am Krishna. Just see my potency. Please give a donation. And so my guru went walking by and he said, Ah, just see. The supreme person personality of Godhead, Krishna, stuck in the mud. Could you tell us again about the name Krishna and how he's
1: different, or how he
0: compares to the God we read about in church? Yeah. in church we hear of God the Father, God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. When I was younger, they used to say God the Holy Ghost, but I think they changed that. You know, but uh, uh, God the Father is Krishna. You see, there's very little discussion about God the Father, but not only Krishna, but all the other emanations of God. You see, God is unlimited, so He is the supreme Godhead. Uh, he is the strongest. He possesses the strongest potency. Now, does anybody know what's the strongest potency?
1: Love. Love.
0: Exactly. And we can, you know, you can experiment with that. I don't know if we did this last week when I was here, or week was it week before last week? Week before last. week week. Yeah. We were discussing how. You know what? What would you give for love? You know, when I was in Arizona, I was giving a lecture and people were kind of curious about what do you mean? And I said, well, you know, for instance, uh, love is very valuable. It's, it's the most desirable thing that there is. People would trade, I mean, uh, most people would trade uh, a life of living 50 years and having experienced sweetest love all their life. They would, tr- they would trade that for a life of living 90 years and never really having any love. You would give up almost half of your life if you had. It. So it's really what we all seek. We don't fully understand it because our senses are pulling us. You know, I want to eat this, I want to do that, I want that. I get frustrated, so now I need some <laughs> intoxication. I need to self-medicate because I'm not getting what I want. you know. If you boil it down, what is the true driving force? Is love. Um, it's the most valuable, and it's the scarcest. It's the hardest thing. If it were so plentiful, then no, you wouldn't trade half of your life. I mean, if it, it was just everywhere, you see. It's like, and it's like I told them, for instance, in Arizona, and here too, if it applies here, you know, uh, sand isn't very expensive. There's lots of it. You know, if somebody came along with a truckload of sand and said, "Hey, you know, I'll give you this," and you'd say, "No, no, I've got plenty. You know, thank you. <laughs> See, I don't need it. I don't want it. There's I, any time I want it, I can go get it." But if he drove up with a truckload of gold, you'd say, "Oh, sure, unload it right there. You know, I'll take it. Take it all." See, very hard to get love is very very hard to get you know? so many people uh, feel that they don't have enough or don't have any in different parts of their life so um, Krishna is the uh, relationship with God where you experience this supreme love <coughs> He's the supreme lover. He's the supreme romantic. So, because people say, well, how do you know Krishna is the supreme? Because he's got the love. Love emanates from him. You see? That's what controls. That's the controlling factor. We don't really know it so much. We think that um, airplanes and bombs and things like that are controlling factors. But much, much stronger than that is love. Lack of love causes the bombs and the airplanes. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Because that's what they're really trying to get. The leaders are thinking that if I had your country's resources, if I send my army to to take away your resources, that from that I'm going to get some enjoyment. I'm going to get something of value and that will attract some love from somebody once somebody sees what i've done and i'm such a good leader and all the people around me the generals the soldiers who go and their heroes you see it's romantic to someone somebody will get love it's short-lived but i'll get some riches if i get enough wealth surely somebody will be attractive you see fame if i get fame be attracted and it's true people that are i remember when i was a young man the beatles uh, came to chicago i lived in chicago and uh, i mean it was an incredible the number of people you know people were acting like they're gonna die just because they're seeing them you know they had fame they were, they love them uh, like fainted they would see the beatles they would faint do they they don't do that anymore to <laughs> rock stars do they <laughs> Do they do
1: that?
0: No. They, you, ever see, you ever see any films of the Beatles fans? Elvis Presley? You know, they, ah,
1: ah, ah, he touched me, he looked
0: at me. You see? So fame drives people. That's a driving element. The, the, the reasons why people do anything are for they want fame, profit, if I have money, I have money, then I can get fame. You see, I can buy friends. surely I'll have beautiful women or beautiful men or whatever it is. you see? We see, that's true. Now is it true love? You know it's money motivated. I don't know. That's, I don't think so, but I'm not there, so I don't, I don't believe it. Uh, so fame, profit. Uh, I'm driven because I want adoration. I want to be adored by somebody, I want someone to adore me, like they adored Elvis, you know, you see Elvis, <gasps> you know, I want that, and distinction, I want to be distinguished from everybody, you know, I want to be like you, but much better, <laughs> I don't want everybody to know it, you know, I want a hospital with my name on it. You know, I want my name on street signs. Ballpark named after me. You know, I'll, pay the, I'll pay the money. And just put my name on it. See? So fame, profit, adoration, and distinction are the driving forces in this material world. Because if I get those, I'll get love. Now, anybody would trade those, those things if you had pure love. You know, we've had that discussion. I think I asked that question last time I was here. You know, if you, if you could have all the fame, all the profit, all the adoration, phony adoration, and all the distinction that you, could ha- that you had, that you could get, you could get as much as you wanted, would you trade all that for a really pure, everlasting, complete, true love? I mean, most people would say, "I'd rather have the love. If you have the pure love, then you can do without the rest." You see, but all the rest, really, you're just trying to get love. So what we're, what we're hankering for, when we feel like we want something, uh, I want some, I want some enjoyment, I want some pleasure. What we're actually wanting is this loving relationship with God, with Krishna which we all have already had, but we left it to come here to see if there was anything better. Because we have free will. So, Does that answer your question? Anything else? What about fasting? You were telling us last time that um, during this, Well, yeah. First of all, fasting for. uh, Some people fast for different reasons. Sometimes fasting for health can be good. Fasting too long is not good for your health. Uh, Fasting for spiritual advancement is the most intelligent fasting. Uh, Otherwise, it could be a waste of time although sometimes your body may get a little ill. If you're perfectly healthy, you don't need it. Eat correctly. Just eat a well-balanced diet every day of fruits, grains, vegetables, milk products, you know, and you'll be fine. The problem is people start to tinker. They're, they're part, totally healthy, and they decide, you know what, I'm going to eliminate milk from it. I mean, unless you have a doctor that says, well, you know, you're really intolerant. You're lactose intolerant. You shouldn't have this. Well, then, now some people say, yes, but I'm protesting the treatment of cows. So therefore, I'm not taking any milk, butter, yogurt. You know? But these things are very, extremely healthy for the body. Extremely. The body really has a need. So, so people, uh, uh, a lot of people in America have cut back on salt because it's fashionable. You know, it's a fashionable thing to do. Because everybody, the mayor of New York ha- got a law passed so there's no salt on the tables in New York City. Did you know that? No. In California, you know, the, our friends in California, they're all against salt well you know if you have high blood pressure salt is very bad for you but salt is one of the one of the required elements you see Uh, and it you can see the misleading things that you hear from the health conscious people which i stay away from they don't know anything but they'll tell you you need to exercise you need to work out which means work up a sweat And you need to cut way back on salt. When you sweat, you deplete your body of salt. You know, uh, one of the key, uh, what is it, uh, what is it that they call these health drinks? What is it? Uh, Sodium? Well, sodium, but there's... there's, Electrolytes? Electrolytes, yeah. Yeah, the electrolytes. Salt is one, sodium is one of the important electrolytes. So, you know, you go to the gym and you work out, and if you just drink water, well, it doesn't, it doesn't satisfy you. Well, you, your body says I need salt. So you drink some uh, Gatorade or something, which is full of sodium, other electrolytes. Why don't you, especially anybody that lives here, I mean, you're, this climate's pulling sweat out, it's pulling salt out of your body. People who work outside, you know, they, sh- they should take salt tablets. They used to. I don't know if they still do, but the workers outside would take salt tablets to offset the salt that's taken out. So, don't they still do that in India? Huh? Don't
1: they still do that in India?
0: Yeah. Yeah. In India, people who observe the Ayurveda, which is, the Ayurveda is an ancient, uh, one of the Vedas that say how to take care of your body. And it comes from Krishna himself. You got this body? Here's a, uh, a directory on how to take care of it. Uh, you get a computer, and it's got a this little book that says, okay, here's what you do, here's how to care for it, and how to use it. So the Ayurveda is like that. So people who, are, who are, are intelligent and not swayed by trendy things, and have been doing the same thing for many thousands of years, for instance, when you sit down in India, they'll give you a plate, and they'll come by and they'll give you a little, about a teaspoon of salt. I mean, it's just a teaspoon of salt on your plate and everything else is salted fine and you know you pick up the salt and eat it or you sprinkle it over your food but, you know somebody may say well I don't want the salt well but you're going to need it it's hot you're going to sweat today you're, you're, the, the climate here the environment is going to take salt out of your body you need salt so it's very, if it's very trendy in California or New York to not take salt that's okay don't take it get sick. <laughs> so, you see what I mean? So, some people fast. Uh, they don't know why they're fasting. Well, it's, it sounds like a trendy thing to do. If you're healthy, don't fast. Except twice a month. Twice a month, there is a, a, a day called Ikadashi. Ikadashi is four days before the full the full moon and the, the dark moon, the, what is it, the waxing mood, new mood, you see? So four days before each of those is the time when you fast. And the best thing to do for the best spiritual benefit is to fast from no water, no food, no nothing. No juice, nothing. Fast all day. Uh, and even if you, if you do it really by the book, you stay up all night, OK? Now what are we doing all this time? Chanting, reading, it's a time you spend less time eating and you, you get into the Scriptures, you read, you study, you focus your mind, you take two days a month and you do that. You see. Now it's not necessary to stay up all night, it's not necessary to do without water, it's not necessary to do without food. Because it's considered a fast if you uh, fast from grains and beans. If you just eat vegetables, fruits, you know, no rice, no beans, no, tor- no tortillas, no wheat, you know, nothing like that. Just vegetables, fruits, juice, water. You see, you don't have to step all that. But at least spend some time. You get credit for it. You get more credit if you go the, the whole route. Not yeah. fasting.
1: So the uh, Iskon and
2: other people who practice Hinduism, they fast seven days, like holidays, or like, yeah. what is left fasting? And then, as then as again,
0: you? on like uh, John Masterma, Krishna's birthday, um, when we celebrate yeah. Krishna's appearance, we'll fast until midnight. And then we'll say and then we'll uh, say <coughs> uh, like a feast. Mm-hmm. But at that feast at midnight is no grains, nothing heavy, just fruits and mm-hmm. vegetables. The best thing, most people will that really are uh, orthodox, will have some like fruit salad. So other holidays will fast until uh, moonrise or around 7 in the evening. Fast until moonrise or fast until noon, depending on who, what personality we're celebrating. You know, if it's uh, a great devotee, we fast till noon. If it's a, an appearance of, uh, of Krishna, one of Krishna's many appearances, we'll fast till moonrise. If it's the appearance of Krishna himself, we fast till moonrise. So. And
1: about the specific fasting of certain foods on
2: certain days, why is it working down like that? Like certain days you don't eat this, and certain days you don't eat
0: that? Well, the difference, the only, uh, uh, I guess the only breakdown is that uh, on certain, like ikarashi, you you eat, but um, you're not taking grains, grains and beans. Uh, these are heavy. You see, these are real food. I mean, the body really needs these things. Uh, you produce energy. If you just if you just take uh, a light meal of just vegetables and uh, just fruits, it it will give you. Some energy, not as much as if you incorporated grains into your diet. And uh, most sects of uh, uh, Vaishnavs feel that uh, it's sinful to take grains on that day. It's very sinful. You know, so you fast. The sins are in the grains on that particular day, so you fast. You can also, I forget
1: if it's Jermas, you'll
2: for that whole month,
0: we're supposed to stay away from leafy greens? Oh, like no, that's, chaturmas? Uh, that's chaturmas. Mm-hmm. chaturmas. uh Chatur means four, must means uh, uh, austerities. The, the sages that, uh, uh, when they would, uh, in, in India, there's the monsoon system uh, season, which lasts four months. It rains for four months, so the, the sannyasis and the renunciates, you know, the, the traveling preachers like myself, they don't travel. Well, they, they probably can more now, but they didn't used to. So you stay in one place until the rains go away. So instead of just sitting there pigging out, there are certain austerities that you perform. So the first month of Chaturmas is, uh, the very first month is uh, giving up leafy vegetables. Anything in the spinach family. Giving up spinach, basically. The second month is, uh, uh, is uh, yogurt. Yeah. And the third month is milk. Don't take any milk. And the fourth month is don't take any uh, urd. Urdal. There's a bean called the urd. U, it's spelled U-R-A-D. Urd. Pronounced urd. And it's so high in protein, it's considered non-vege, uh, non-vegetarian. However, it's, it's not, it's not a, uh, an animal product. So we can eat it. We can offer it to Krishna. But it's so high in protein that uh, one should be careful. In other words, you shouldn't eat it every day. You're, the human body doesn't need as much protein as uh, a lot of people try to lead us to believe. It just doesn't. Because people, when they find out I'm vegetarian, they'll say, what do you do for protein? Uh, let me see, nothing. <laughs> I mean, I just eat. <laughs> You know, many times I'm having rice and, and, uh, and beans but I don't make sure every day oh am I getting some rice and some beans because I don't want to do without protein no. so I mean if you're worried about protein That's uh, if the if the, uh, the people the weight builders or the sports people who work out that want protein if they ever discovered discovered food they would eat it every day and if you really work out like a, you know, like a madman like crazy every day, you could probably deal with that much protein. That's if weight, I don't know if weightlifters really need that much protein, but if they do, and they seem to, they take this protein powder, so. If it doesn't come from the Ayurveda, I kind of, I usually think it's probably just really kind of off the wall. Because this is a world where people are trying to, sell you things. I want you to give me your money and I'll give you some advice. I'll tell you. First of all, I'm going to tell you about a new way you you should eat. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, give me some money and I'll give you the things that you need. They'll start... Or I'm being hired by an industry and my products are just hitting the the shelves of the local uh, health food store people are going in there oh I read that I need this and I need that oh. what did people need when things were truly natural Rob and I were talking about this you know? he's got a good understanding of what the definition of natural what was it, it, it comes from plants
1: from flowers from plants and not from a
0: plant yeah <laughs> and not from a plant you know not from a factory it comes from a plant you know, or from a from a cow. You know? a cow gives you natural. It's uh, a matter of fact. Unless you take dairy products, it's very hard for a human being to get B twelve. It's very difficult. So, unless you're lact- lactose intolerant, so uh, which some people are, but very few. So. Uh, But it's this material world is a place of the cheaters and the cheating. You know, because I need profit. I need profit to pay my bills and to do this and to do that. I need profit. And I'd sure like to be the nicest guy in the world and tell you nothing but the truth and make all the profit I can get. But it doesn't really work that way, so I have to tell a little bit more of a. I've put a spin on my product because the guy down the street he's starting to do it because we're competing, and I want all of I want all of my business plus I want to get some of his. You see, so I'm spinning it, he's spinning it, and then another guy comes along and tries to spin it a little differently, and now we've got the internet which tells you all kinds of stuff, you know, diets and you know, so it's just misleading. Did you have a question? Yeah, reincarnation. Uh, yeah, I was saying the other night when I was a young boy going to school, the teacher—I forget which grade it was. I think it might have been seventh, seventh grade. Our teacher was teaching us uh, different countries, you know, or different customs, and she was telling us about how stupid the people were in India. They're just so ignorant, you know, because they're—they're they're all starving to death. The whole country's starving. And yet they let the cows walk around and they won't kill the cows and eat them. They've got food walking around, but they won't eat it. And they believe that, they believe in reincarnation. Well, Jesus, what is that? And she said, Well, they believe that once they were a cow. You don't believe you were ever a cow, do you, children? Why, no, Mrs. Smith. That's stupid. So I was programmed. In school, I walked around, and when I met the devotees, they were telling me, when we got into the philosophy, they said something about reincarnation. I said, Well, I don't think I believe in reincarnation. And this devotee I was speaking to was very intelligent. And he said, Oh, okay. Well, what do you how do you feel about transmigration of the soul? And I said, Well, what is that? Well, the, the soul gives up one body and moves on to another. And I said, Well, now that makes a lot of sense. Arose by any other name. So, I had been programmed to, to think that reincarnation was just wacky. But, on the other hand, what I did—I was unsettled in my spiritual life. I couldn't wrap my arms around the philosophy that I was created. I'm the, I mean, the soul was created, came into existence in the womb. And then I'm supposed to be eternal after that. And there's going to be a point at the end of this life where I'm going to go one way or another for eternity. And I had a hard time, even from like two or three years old or whatever, when I was hearing this. I, asked, I was one of those kids in Sunday school that asked lots of questions. And the teacher really, I was a pain in the butt. I wasn't trying to be, but I just wanted to know. I was really curious. And you know, many, many times I was told there are just some things we're just not meant to know. And I a part of me just thought, no way, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. So but as we get more sophisticated, you know, I, I don't like to use that word, that's not even a word to use. No. Remind me, I'll tell you later where that comes from. Uh, As we get more educated, we understand a little bit more about uh, even just philosophy. Eternal. Eternal means both ways. You're not eternal if you had a beginning. That's limited material thinking. We're uh, beat up and held prisoner by these laws of the material world. We believe it. But we think outside the box once in a while. You know, eternal doesn't mean starting now and going forward. Eternal means always has been, always will be. Always. Always doesn't mean just starting now. In the material world, things have a beginning. And they have an end. They have a duration. Everything that we've witnessed since we've been in this material world has had a beginning. <coughs> And an end. You see? Even our bodies have a beginning and an end. And if we think I am that body, then we can believe I had a beginning. But if you're the eternal soul, you, you were someplace before that body. You see? Originally, the living entity, an eternal living entity, was uh, a resident of the spiritual world. As some people call, refer to as heaven. You see. And we decided that we wanted to go on this trip. We wanted to see, what else is there? My dear Lord, you're very wonderful. I enjoy this time we have together. But is there anything other than you? You know, and Krishna's not jealous. He says, would you like to find out? Oh yeah, I'm dying to find out. By all means, I have a whole world that you can go look for something. As a matter of fact, we're thinking that we kind of like to be him. What if I was God? What if I was the son of attention? You know. And again, you know, Krishna doesn't feel like oh, how dare you feel that way. He's you know, not. He knows he's Krishna. He's not so foolish to say, well, how dare you? I've never been so insulted by in that. You know, what kind of a moron do you think we have for God? He knows he's the greatest, the most beautiful, the most powerful. You know, He knows. He's convinced. He doesn't have, uh, uh, what do they call it now? Uh, uh, issues. Insecurities. Insecurities. He doesn't. You know, he doesn't go once a week to a psychiatrist and discuss his issues. You know, he doesn't have any of these weaknesses. We like to put these weaknesses that we see in the material world onto God. We like to do that. But we can't. So he's not upset. He doesn't say, well, I'll get you for that. It's like, oh. Very good. I hate to see you go but be my guest because we can't be lovers and a prisoner at the same time you have to be free to go this is why we say Krishna is the supreme lover it's not a cheap love affair this is the real deal everything else is a perverted reflection of that this is real love for him, he's got to taste the romance every split second of this relationship. Which means you've got to be free to go. You're not a prisoner. If you're going to be with me, it's because you choose. And you know why? Because I'm Christian. That's his feeling. You've got to choose me. And if, you, and if you want to, you can choose whatever else. And if you don't know what else to choose other than me and you want to go looking for it, by all means.
2: Did you have a question? Yeah, I have a question. Um, so, does Krishna. Mm, I, I come from a Christian background. Yeah. Does Krishna guide us in our daily existence, in our living? Does Krishna. Um, uh, speak to us or tell us or sh- uh, reveal a route or a, or a direction for us? Oh, that's a superb uh, question. That's do a we, you know, because as Christians we pray and we ask for guidance or we're thankful,
0: we give thanks. What um, do we usually ask for in our prayers? I don't, I don't know what everyone else asks for. Yeah. You know, but What seems to become? You don't know what a... For instance, uh, I'm not saying that this is bad, mm-hmm. but I'm saying it's not perfect.
2: Yeah.
0: Our Heavenly Father, hallowed be thy name. Mm-hmm. Now so far, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> hallowed be thy name. Like we were chanting his name tonight. Hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done. Yes, I want you, yeah. I want your will to be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Yes. Oh, this is a beautiful prayer. Now give us this day our daily bread. <laughs> Bam! Just wreck the whole thing. I mean, we were going so well. It's like, okay, hey, have you got a pen? Now, I don't know if you can remember this, okay? Because I asked like, yesterday and I didn't get it yet, so I don't know if you're writing this down. So anyway, put it in your... Uh, what do they call those things, uh, iPad? You know, what do you have to do? So, give me my day with bread, You know, uh, uh, I've been to church and I've heard people pray for things like, well, you know, my cousin's coming home from California, ride in the car with her, Lord. You know, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Who wants to ride in a car from California?
1: <laughs> I, don't know.
0: I want you to ride in the car. What?
2: Well, people do pray for peace, right? Or for uh, well, yes. understanding yeah. between people. Yeah. You know, there's, it's not always about praying for yourself, so to speak. Or for, yeah. You know.
0: But the highest prayer is, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Krishna Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Which translated into English, you're, playing, you're praying to Krishna's feminine energy. Hara, my dear Radharani, my energy of the Lord, please engage me in the humble loving service of Lord
1: Krishna.
0: In other words, my dear Lord, you tell me what you want. I'm so interested in pleasing you that I can't think of a thing that I want. And if I get to please you, I don't need anything. If I know that I've pleased you, I'm Satisfied. I don't care if I have a roof over my head, as long as I know that I'm doing something that's making you happy because I love you. Now that's on the, on the, the pure level. Now uh, I'll get to you in just a second. But does he direct us? Right. Yes. He'll direct you according to What's the magical word? What do you have to have for His direction? You have to have a a desire. He will fulfill any desire you have. If your desire is to become rich and famous, you may not get it in the next month, maybe not even this lifetime, but you will get it. He will fulfill your desire. So He guides you according to your desires. If you want to believe that... uh, Whatever you want to believe in, whatever, wherever you want to place your faith, He will give you the faith to pursue that goal. You see? Now this doesn't make sense in, in my Christian opinion. That doesn't make sense because they believe that at the time of death, you're either going to go to, you're going to, go to hell if you haven't done this. So then how, would God, how can God give you faith to go pursue something? So that also
2: changes the idea of uh, when someone says something like, uh, oh, it didn't happen, like it wasn't God's will. Right. Do you hear someone say it wasn't Krishna's will?
0: It may not happens? be his will, but it's, it's something It was that, our will, but maybe not... Well, it may not even be your will that it's happening. Let's say uh, in the Bible it says, "What goes around." No, it doesn't say it Says, it, uh, <laughs> "As you sow, as you sow, so, so, so shall you reap." Which is as you, what goes around comes around. Which is the law of karma, the law of cause and effect. As you do, you will receive. Uh, the scientific, what is it? The scientific A reaction has an equal or opposite. Exact. Exactly. Uh, you see. So. Uh, That means, now people don't like to take it this far, but as I am reaping, whether it be good or bad, I have to have sown. So if I'm having a rotten day, whose fault is it? Can't blame him. Even if he did something that was really nasty and it's just wrecked my day, I still can't blame him. Because it's coming back on me, it's coming around. I sent it around. I either did something to him or somebody else, and now I'm getting my just desserts. So what's happening to you? You earned it. You bought it. You paid for it. It's yours. Now, is it Krishna's will that you suffer? No. He doesn't want you to suffer. He's just wondering, (laughs) why do you keep doing this to yourself? What goes around comes around. So, and, and let's get back to Desire. If once you start to desire Him, when you desire desire, my Lord, I just want you. I don't want anything else. I just want to be your servant. I want, I want you to please tell me what you want me to do. Because I'm trying to get up, get away from it being all about me. You see, I don't want, I want it to be all about you, my dear Lord. I want to rekindle that love that's dormant that I have for you. So... Uh, Please tell me what you want because I want to serve you. Mm -hmm. And it's unconditional. I don't care what it is. If it will make you happy, that's what I want to do. So He will give you faith to follow that and He will tell you what He wants. But you've got to be willing to take what He says. Mm -hmm. and that's, That's a matter of the heart. It's not a game you can play. It's like, all right, God... Tell me what you want because this could be bad what if he tells you to do something i don't want to do so it's, it's still all about me
1: yeah
0: when you can get it out get me out of the center of the universe mm. and put god there but now we can operate did you Thank have you. something there well
3: i was just gonna add um i think it was i like what he said about you know you talk about desire but i think I mean I'm pretty sure it says in Bhagavad Gita that it has to be love there, you know, because like even the birds and the bees, they're they're directed by Krishna also, you know. They know where to get their food and this and that. So is it that the more we surrender, we develop, or we rekindle this love, do we become more perceptive to Krishna guiding
0: us? Positively. Positively. Because Krishna is with every living entity. Remember, let's go back to that story where we're saying, here we are like spoiled brats. And we're in the spiritual world. We think, you know, well, I want to go see what else there is. And Krishna says, all right, you know, great. Have a great trip. You know, he knows you're gonna be right back here. You know, there's nothing like me. But anyway, go look. So what he does is we really can't exist on our own. We're like children wanting to leave, run away from home. All energy comes from God. Everything comes from God. He from which everything emanates. For our very sustenance, we depend on Him. So He sneaks along with us. It's like in, in our body, in, in the region of the heart, there's the Spirit Soul, us, the Atma. And right next to us is the Param Atma, the Supreme Soul, the Super Soul. Christian. Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit. He is there. And He's there observing. Now, there's a reason why He's observing, and I'll get back to that. Don't let me forget that. Sometimes I forget. But, And He's directing you. He's helping you. He's giving you energies that you need to, to, to go down this path, this track of yours. You see, satisfying your desires. It's not like he's way up there, and you're way down there. He's right next to you. You've never left him. We're just not conscious of it,. You see. So and another reason is that he really can't bear to be away from you. He doesn't want to be away from you. God doesn't have to do things he doesn't want. <laughs> he loves us so much. That he's not going to be separate from us. He loves us. He doesn't. You want to end the love affair or put it on hold? Say what they say sometimes. uh, Couples when uh, when they're not married yet, they'll say, uh, "Let's take a break. Mm -hmm. I need some space. Let's let's take a break." You know, I guess which usually means you go date somebody. I'm going to go date somebody. So that's kind of what we've done in our love affair with, with the Supreme. We've said, hey, let's take a break. You know, I want to see if there's anybody better than you. Well, he's not taking a break. We're taking a break. His love didn't just kind of like get put on hold. He still loves us. He still feels the way he always did. Because He's Supreme, and remember this is the Supreme Godhead we're dealing with, because He's Supreme, you can be His very favorite. His very favorite out of all innumerable living entities. And so can He at the same time. And you, you, everyone. He can have everyone His absolute favorite. Because each and every one of us a special unique relationship that we have with him and he's not going to do without it so he's going to tag along but you don't see it some of the yogis that perform certain types of uh, yoga austerities they're looking inside for the super soul they're trying to it's paramatma realization they're looking for God within and the question is that's very good, but what do you do when you find it?
3: Ask for something. Gimme.
0: Give Gimme. Give Alright, you know. Gee was you yeah. really great, okay. Uh. all right, how about my daily bread? You know? Give <laughs> <laughs> me some power? Someone would be like I'd like to create a planet, you know. Let's see. So it's kind of tainted. we got to we have to chase him with, with love. We're going to find Krishna, we get chasing the love. So we become conscious of Krishna, which that's why we call this movement the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. We're just become, we're regaining our consciousness. Does that make any sense? Did that answer your question? Yeah, it did Mm -hmm. Who else?
3: Since we were talking about the food earlier, I was wondering if
2: you had mentioned why we offer it.
0: Uh, yeah we offer everything that we eat first of all who does it belong to <laughs> uh, you know none of us brought anything with us when we came into this material world and even though you may plant a, a vegetable or a tree it's by God uh, by his energy that it grows everything belongs to him we belong to, him. to the tomatoes and lettuce and cauliflower and whatever all belongs to him. You see. So uh, let it let us at least like Lord Jesus Christ said he was trying to impart this this concept and he said at least remember me when you eat and drink. At least remember me. You see. In other words, before you you take it and eat it, make a, an offering to the Lord. You
1: see.
0: As a matter of fact, take it even further than that. Cook it for him and mind. The purest way is to think, you know, tonight, my dear Lord, I'd like to make you some cauliflower, red bell peppers, and potatoes, in a nice tomato broth. So I'm thinking this would make you happy. That's very sweet. Second to that, they think, you know, tonight I'd like to have cauliflower, red pepper, you see. Oh, and before I eat it, I'm going to offer some fish. That's nice. Not first class. It's not really on the platform of absolute love, you see. Mm-hmm. And then so many people, they'll tell me, even devo- people who've been devotees for a long time, they'll say, well, I don't like this or I don't like that, you know. I noticed one devotee told me he doesn't like cilantro. (laughs) So he doesn't cook with cilantro. Well, that sounds perfectly normal, doesn't it? Except we know from reading the Scriptures that Krishna loves cilantro. So if I'm cooking for him and trying to please him, I want to cook what he likes. I'm not saying you're absolute fallen if you don't you know, because you may think, oh, you know what, tonight I'd like to have uh, pizza. I'm going to make a pizza. Oh, and I'm going to offer it to Krishna. Yeah. Okay. That's that's nice. But if you think, I want, I'll bet Krishna, I'm going to surprise him with a pizza. Maybe he'd like that. Becoming conscious of Him. Awakening your love affair to where you're thinking of your love of Him. So even when you're cooking, you're thinking, I want to please him with some nice meal. So you make an offer. That the devotees don't taste all their cooking. <clears throat> Krishna should be the first to taste. The cooks become expert enough that they know. to put in this much salt and this much cumin powder, this much that, this much, you know. And then before it's tasted, a little is taken out, put on a plate, offered to a picture of Krishna with prayers. Now, when we do that, Krishna accepts, he says in Bhagavad Gita, patram pushpam palam toya. For one who offers me with love and devotion, there's the key, with love and devotion, a flower, a fruit, water, or a leaf, I will gladly accept it. He doesn't say chicken chicken nuggets, steak, (laughs) pork ribs. He doesn't. But he says, a fruit, flower, water, or leaf. Vegetables are considered fruits.
1: How about dairy? Yeah. That?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Is that considered a fruit? Oh. Uh, he doesn't mention dairy, but he loves dairy. Krishna is the, he's known as Govinda the one who protects and gives pleasure to the cows. He steals yogurt and butter. You know, if you ever have any yogurt or butter missing, it could be him that stole it. You know. He's crazy about it. In this month of Dhammadara we're talking about, we're celebrating those pastimes. With Krishna, when he was on this planet, when he was a young boy, he would steal butter and yogurt. A question. When you say offering, or what
3: do you mean offering? Like, you put, I mean, I see people put food in front of an
0: image or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I what make, a plate, make, make a plate.
3: Make a plate. But what do you do with that one? I mean, it's in a grind. You leave it there. Oh, you no, you just,
0: food. long enough for me, about 10 minutes. You know, I and put it on a plate and I have a picture of, uh, at least a picture of my guru, Srila Prabhupada, and a picture of Krishna and Radha sit it and I, I say this, this prayers. and then I give him 10 minutes or so to eat then I come and take it and I eat it now some people say well does he eat it? yes he does But God is different He can all of his senses um, and all of his body functions can double, he doesn't have a material body he has a body, he has a form but it's not, a, it's not flesh and bones and blood
3: a question earlier, you had talked about um, a story about an woman who claimed he had powers, and he said what well, he got powers you from this these pebbles into my Yeah. Um, you had said that um, the other said, "Well, why should he? He way you it to get something bad, like like alcohol or whatever, let say, right?" Um, he said that would be bad karma on me. Yeah. But how would he know that his name is specifically for that? That that's, that, that's the point, he doesn't know. So that why would it be bad karma well, he, If he said, well, you don't want to see that you look healthy or you look sick or whatever, and I'll give you this money, why would he get bad karma? Like, he went home and the other day went to his home. And, what if the guy was, was
0: cheating? What if the guy was standing on a street corner but he with he, a cardboard box? What you know? if he him out? Why
3: would he suffer a bad karma? If he didn't know, if he did a good deed, trying to help somebody out, what that then did,
0: but is it a good deed does it turn out to be a good deed if a guy's if a, if a person is standing there with a you know the have these cardboard piece of cardboard will work for free you know and it's like, oh, i'm so hungry i'm homeless and you come you give them some money and if they go right across the street buy a 40-ouncer you bought them a 40-ouncer you enabled that, or some heroin or, or some heroin crack whatever so can you not see how you incur some some karma from that
2: okay so if we were to give someone a dollar or two dollars and they turned around and fed themselves or bought something for their child would that incur good
0: karma at that point that would incur good karma
3: one thing, have it one, <laughs> one, one,
0: thing <laughs> one thing you can try and i've done this is buy them uh, food
3: yes if yeah. someone needs food buy them food. yeah i say oh, come on oh, it's direct well, uh, actually i think it's a good point what she's talking about how she says that she just would rather not help because it talks about how there's charity in the different modes you know, there's good charity and there's bad yeah service so like good charity charity in the
0: mode of goodness <laughs> charity in the mode of passion which means I expect something for it. And charity in the mode of ignorance. Like, you know, I'm a doper. You're a doper. Hey, I'll give you some of mine, man. You know, it's that's charity in the mode of ignorance. For example,
3: when you do when you, you your taxes, I every mean, year, like, you know, like, right, they tell you, have you donated or have you given any charity? Right? They say that. And I know this guy's say, well, if you're trying to get money back to the charity, that charity, then it isn't charity. Like, why would you be giving out charity? Get money back during past time. That's that's not my whole point. Why would it be the purpose
0: of? It? it shouldn't be a motivation. The government simply says that if you give a thousand dollars to charity, then we're not going to consider that income. You see, it's it's like a, it's like they're like saying they're they're recognizing you being pious. They're saying, Wow, you've made. Thirty thousand dollars this year, but you gave it, you gave three thousand dollars to your church. You gave ten percent. So we're gonna, we're not going to tax you on that three on that uh, three thousand dollars. I just
3: kind of see that it's pointless. If you're going to be getting
0: money in return for what you gave up. It's like, just keep Well, if that's your motivation that I'm, I'm going to give money to get money back, then it's not it's not pure charity. But if the government is going to be so kind to say, well, you know, if you donate to a charity, a bona fide charity, a church or whatever, well, we're not going to tax you on that money. Okay. But now, if I say, well, yeah, I'm not going to give unless you give me a tax break. Well, then that's bogus. But if you say, look, I'm going to give it anyway. Whether you give me a tax break or not, I'm going to give it. And the government says, well, I'm going to give you a tax break. You'd be kind of um, foolish to say, "Well, I'm not going to take it." I mean, let's be practical. But if it's your motivation to do that, I think that that's why then it's
3: taken. It.
0: Yeah. Well, but they still receive some good benefits from Well, it, right. uh, it, it's like. Aaron was mentioning charity in the different modes of material nature, goodness, passion, and ignorance. The things that we do on a daily basis we'll find come from one of those modes, goodness, passion, <coughs> or ignorance, you see. Ah. Mm, like there's a lot
3: of, um, like, during these times that people ask for charity, like for the mission or for the child crisis and all that, and you, let's say you give a $200 check and you, you're giving it in good faith, but whoever's taking, you know, all the nations keep some of that money. Yeah. Does that make make you have that karma? I mean, you're not giving it to them, trying to steal it, but... That's, kind of, a, something that's else. kind of a
0: deep question, but probably, because let's say you give $200, and I think that the, the best that's ever going to happen is 80% gets to the... But I don't think it's even, do you know have any data on that? I think it's far less Sometimes than that. Sometimes 50%. Sometimes 50%. on much and yeah. yeah, and, and, and yeah, yeah, advertising and people that they pay, there's people on the payroll. But paywall. I was going
3: to say somebody stole money. I mean, it happens, you know, people steal their charity. So why would that make me, why would that make me back from when I it was paid, and somebody would steal that money to use it for some sort of horrible thing,
0: whatever? It would be very small, you know.
3: Well, like. It's kind of like. It's kind
0: of like, you know, Krishna would like us to use our heads and to use our hearts as well. So sometimes I want to give money because, uh, well, I think, it's, you know, I'm just, I'm just in the mood. What the heck? This guy needs a beer. There was a guy. I was in. Uh, I was. I was in New Orleans. Uh, this was back in 05 on my way to the temple down there. And I stopped at a red light and I looked over and here's this grizzly looking guy standing there, you know, looking like the typical homeless guy. And he's got this uh, he's got this uh, cardboard piece of cardboard and on there he had written let me be honest I just want a beer. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, he's being honest. He wants a beer. Most of them probably do. You know. Sometimes they probably want to eat a But uh, if I had had given a donation to him, that would be charity. But in what mode? Ignorance. I know he wants to intoxicate himself. Intoxication is in the mode of ignorance. We don't have clear thinking. Although we sometimes think we do. But the reason, basically, is people uh, turn to intoxication is is to get away from reality. See, which means to give up clear thinking. Now, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, a lot of us thought that we could get closer to God by doing LSD and, you know, other things like that. You know. I see you looking at i the only guy old enough in here to remember, you know. I mean, you're not any spring chicken. You're as old as I am. Right? <laughs> We probably were there. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? you know, we thought all these things. And... Did it help? Uh, I can't honestly say that it was any help. Uh, I experimented with different things because I was looking for God. I wanted to find spiritual life. Did it help? I don't really see how it possibly could. It, it, it inspired me to do so many other things and everything that i thought about like when i saw flowers growing out of the wall it, it didn't make me believe in god and the next day they weren't there did it make me believe in a higher power no you know i wanted you know more sense gratification turn up the music Generally, that's you know, the higher you get you turn up. Somebody turn that up, you know. You want more gratification. Your senses become dull, so you need more. dull the senses. So now I have to increase this, the uh, sensual activity. So, some people may feel, that, yeah, it really kind of I, I can't say for everybody. For myself, you know, and I tried quite hard. And uh, I didn't, I was just, I just lucked out. I came, I happened to come across the devotees of Krishna. I was, it's just like, I, I, bu- I won the lottery and I didn't even buy a ticket. I just happened to come across uh, Krishna's pure devotee, my guru. It was luck of the draw, Krishna's mercy all the way. I contributed nothing. I didn't have the intelligence. Now, I, I had made a prayer to them. I had prayed, because I'd been very young in life, I was very successful. I was making a lot of money. I bought, bought my first house when I was 21 years old. I came from a very poverty-stricken family, and uh, it seemed like once I, I left home when I was 17, and finished school, finished high school, never went to college. But Krishna, my karma was that whatever I touched was going to turn to gold. I worked hard, you know, and I got into sales and I was doing very well. You know, a member of the country club, playing golf with them. I had lots of entertainment. You know, I had plenty of good intoxication, excellent female association, all kinds of toys and jeeps, motorcycles, you name it, whatever, I had it all And I was practicing my golf swing one day in my backyard. And all of a sudden, I thought, wow, what next? This has been great. I was like 24 years old. Now, boy, life has been great since I left. Last seven years since I left home. Ah, thank you, Lord. Now, what's next? And I thought for a minute, and I thought, probably just more. Just more. Uh, There's not going to be anything really new. You know, more sex life, more intoxication. There's just going to be more of this. And, you know, I had left, I tried all these different spiritual paths and really didn't think anything was worth pursuing full time. So I just said, my dear Lord, I don't understand anything about you. I don't know anything about you. But if all I have to look forward to is just more of this for the rest of my life, that doesn't really make me happy. Just more. Three motorcycles instead of two. Two Jeeps instead of one. I can go anywhere I want for vacation. Where do I wanna go? Take two vacations? Just more. I wanted something. I was thinking that this is going to lead me to something new. But just more of this. In other words, this is it. You got it. Now you can add zeros to the end of the figure that you have in your bank account. If you add three zeros to the end of your bank account, that sounds like a lot of money. How are you enjoying those zeros? You know? What if you have a, a different girlfriend for every day of the week? All of them very beautiful. It's like Prabhupada said, uh, my guru, he said, if if you're making $500 a month, and when you eat, you can only eat four chapatis. Does anybody know what a chapati is? It's like a tortilla. Say with your meal, you can only eat four tortillas. So now, all of a sudden, you're making $5 million a month. Still, you can only eat four tortillas. I mean, if four fills you up, if, that, if it takes whatever it takes to fill you up, if you become richer, that amount doesn't grow. You see? There's no place to go. You're chasing your tails. It doesn't work. So I was fortunate that somehow or other Krishna said, but well, you poor fool. You've kind of figured something out here. And I said, you know, if you're there, show yourself. You know, please. I'm, I, I'm not ordering you, but I beg you. Just give me some, somehow or other, let me know the, the path. Because this material world really doesn't seem like it's going to get any better than this moment. And I want better. I know there's better. In a very short time, I met, the, I, start, I met a devotee and I got, a, I, got a, I bought a Bhagavad Gita and I started reading the Bhagavad Gita and I realized, it. Oh, now there's the philosophy that. I, so I found a guru. One needs to find a guru. So this question, everyone
2: always asks and always comes up, so uh, whenever you hear anybody
0: talk about the scriptures, being the truth and coming from God. And the words of them, how, do we know? how do we know? Well, if you go to the doctor and the doctor says, uh, I've looked at your x-ray and uh, you've got uh, uh, munchkinitis disease, and you got to take uh, three quarts of this every day. Stop eating dairy. Uh, cut back on salt. How do you know? <coughs> Even if you look it up in a medical dictionary, not munchkinitis. And you, wow, that's that's real. How do you know you have it? Let's say you go to three doctors, and they all tell you the same thing. How do you know? Keyword, no. You're going to place faith. You're not a doctor. You're not qualified. You're not qualified to diagnose anybody. You're not qualified to argue with a doctor. You have zero qualification. Unless there's med school that you have that I don't know about. When it comes to designing a building, I have zero qualification. I have zero qualification when it comes to deciphering whether Philosophy is correct or not. So I have to taste it. I have to taste the pudding. The proof is in the pudding. It's like I tell people: drive it around the block, you know, kick the tires, drive it around the block, see if it works. Chant Hari Krishna. If it doesn't work, throw it out the window. Try loving Krishna try getting close to Krishna I know what happens for almost 40 years I've been seeing this. thousands and thousands of people if you get close to Krishna he will shoot an arrow deep into your heart like Cupid he will capture you. there is no escape <laughs> am I right you've seen it if you want to pursue material life Stay away. I give you fair warning. If you want to pursue material life, sex, drugs, rock and roll, making all the money you can, don't come any closer. You'll take it all away. You'll lose it. It will, it'll, yeah, The taste will be like chewing yesterday's chewing gum. The taste of material life, material relationships, lose it. Krishna will take it away. Because he gives you a higher taste. When you taste a higher taste, you can't go back. How do you undone, I mean, how do you uh, dumb yourself down? Once you receive knowledge, once you've received, once, you've, once you realize you're on the receiving end of God's love and you feel it. How do you dumb yourself down from that? There's not enough drugs in the world. There's not enough candy. There's not enough sex. There's not enough any of this garbage that give you a taste once you've tasted the real sweetness. So Krishna does that. (laughs) He takes it away. He takes it away because... uh, Once you get a glimpse, you don't want anything. There's nothing. Nothing can come close. And all it takes is just a little glimpse. I mean, I'm not even saying seeing fully this Krishna. Just a little tiny gray. And you're charmed. You're finished. And I've seen so many people for all these years that come and they become attracted and actually develop some attachment to Krishna. And then they think, well, this doesn't make sense. All the things that I wanted all my life, you know, sex life and sense gratification and money, it doesn't make sense that I give up my desire for these things. So I'm going to go back and pursue those things because surely it's not logical that this Krishna, who I'm really attracted to, can take away my desire for all these things. So I'm going to go try. And they go back and they ruin their lives. And end up coming back saying, why did I do that? Foolish. How insane. I've seen it for almost 40 years. Thousands of people. They, once they get too close, they try to get away. What's that, uh, that movie? Uh, the Godfather? Pacino was said that famous line. His wife said, well, why don't you just leave? You know, because she found out her husband was in the mafia or his father was in the mafia. He says, every time I tried to get out, they'd pull me back in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving you fair warning. Krishna's like that. Once you get close enough, you're going to try to get away. You might try to get away. but He's not, not going to uh, physically pull you back in. You know, all he has to do is give you some little grin. You know? You're going to think, there's nothing like you. So, so we go through this, rest, we wrestle with ourselves as we're becoming spiritually aware. We're, we've lost our taste, but I don't know if I should cross over fully into the spiritual life. But yet I've lost pretty much my taste. And I, this looks really good, but I don't know if I should give it. it's As my mother used to say, "Oi." I had a Jewish mother. I, I heard oil a lot. Oh, yeah. So, does that make any sense? You got to taste it. Try it. Let's do it. You got to taste it. Go for it. So, uh, I think, what time is it? So we need to wrap it up pretty soon, don't we?
3: If we can do the kids on the
0: then Why, of course! I'd love that. It's so rare. Yeah. Before we close, before we uh, finish, uh, just one thing I'd like to leave you with because I'm going off. From here, Aaron and I are going to uh, India. We're going to be gone for five months, be back in April, so I won't be back. But all of you, I just ask, you know, uh, try your best to stay close to Krishna. And you do that by getting close to one another. Chant Hare Krishna. Read. You see. Think of Krishna. Krishna's happy even in this day and age, even if we just think about it. You see. And uh, so. Try to stay. Try to stay on track. It's the sweetest thing that you can ever do for yourself. Uh, And that's by starting to live your life for Krishna. One who lives his life for God is always pleased. He's always happy. It's our nature as as living entities. We are not enjoyers. Although we try so hard to enjoy. We are the enjoyed. We are to be enjoyed by the Lord. He enjoys us doing nice things for Him, And when He's, when he's pleasured, we enjoy it. But we can't start out thinking, I want to receive enjoyment, therefore I'll do this for you. We have to start out, my dear Lord, I just want to please you. And then He gives you what you're not seeking. He gives you great enjoyment. He gives you great pleasure. Because you're offering this love to Him. I want to do for you. And he says, oh, very good. That you should enjoy. I'm not asking you to enjoy, but I insist. So we are not the enjoyers. We are the enjoyed. We should perform our lives in such a way to, to be enjoyed by our fellow man by the Supreme Lord. Then we will feel tremendous enjoyment. First, thank you very much, and Krishna for
2: all of it. It's been all the programs have blown, blown me away and opened my eyes tremendously. So, um, while you're gone, is there a way we can also create a you know, like a hub for other teachers to come through? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I speak to my God brothers all the time and encourage them to come. So uh, maybe one in, in Dallas, Chaitanya Chandra, he's becoming interested, and he may be coming once in a, once in a while. So I'm going to give him your number and a couple of numbers. His number your number. Yeah, yeah. Every time I go back to Dallas, he's just salivating. Oh, you know, God, I could just go with you. Boy, I, just, I, want, I want to do this. Because he's at the age where he's lived his life, and now he wants to. You know, Krishna consciousness, we want to die with our boots on. You ever heard that saying? The cowboys used to say, we're to die with our boots on. You know, Dying in a bed. Die in action. Die in battle. soldier wants to die in battle. So my, my godbrothers, as we're getting older, saying, you know, I don't, I don't want to die just an old man. You know, in hospitals, I want to, to die serving, Krishna and my fellow man, you know. So, he'll come, he'll come. He's close. But. Do you have his number? I have his number. Okay. It's only to get him
1: to come over here and call him. Yeah. Now, his
0: caretimes. Oh, his caretimes are so fast. Yeah, so that and uh, pick a path and, and, and stay on it. You know, I always tell people as I travel around, one thing I see, is, uh, I see a lot is people who, who do a little, little this, a little that, a little this, a little that, and you're cheating yourself. You see? Become good. Become expert at something. Not uh, jack of all trades, master of none. You know, pick a path. I'd like I'd like you to go back to uh, back to Godhead, back to Krishna. But if that's not your choice, pick something. You know, I tell you know. Some people say, "Oh, I really prefer Christian." Then be the greatest Christian you can possibly be as an offering to the Lord. Well, I've always been a Jew. Then be the greatest Jew as an offering to the Lord. Muslim, whatever. But pick it, follow it, be expert. That is your gift to God and the whole world. Become expert. Not just kind of, well, I think you know I've heard over here and I've heard over there. A lot of confusion. Pick something. Pick a path and go down it. Become expert. (coughs) All right. Thank you so much. Let's have some care time.
1: And then Prasada.